Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Curry offensive rebound. To Blake, he's open. He fires for three. Knocks it down right in front of the Pistons bench. So good. There's the rebound for Curry and a triple-double for Steph Curry. Draymond Green gets it to Clay Thompson. They're going Clay. Three seconds, two seconds. Smith fires and hits it. Clay Thompson nailed it with point six to go. Warriors take the lead. 98-96. What a road trip for the Golden State Warriors. They finished the road trip with a record of four and the two. And they pick up their 19th and 20th road wins of the season with a back-to-back winning at Indiana and then winning in Boston. Golden State 14 games above 500 for the first time since the end of the 2007-2008 season. The Eastern Conference road slate for the year, 11-4 and for the Warriors. Their most wins against the East on the road since 1976-77. They've won 14 of 19 on the road, and with that 4-2 and road trip, they have won four-plus games on multiple road trips this season. What a trip it was, and a great back-to-back to finish. The exciting conclusion, as you just heard, Clay Thompson knocking down that shot with .6 to go in Indiana. And then last night, a 20-point win in Boston that quite simply was not that close. Golden State dominated that game from the opening tip to the final horn. Hi, Tim Roy, and welcome to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And Golden State starting to get it into high gear as they get ready for the final 20 games of the season. And they start those final 20 games with a record of 38-24. and 24. Bob Myers is the Warriors general manager and one of the architects of the Golden State Warriors roster. We'll talk to him about that roster, the pickup of Steve Blake, and how he goes about preparing for the offseason when the Warriors don't have a draft pick. Now, remember, last year the Warriors didn't have a pick, but on on draft night, a frantic 20 to 25 minutes ended up with the Warriors getting the number 30 pick in the draft and saving some money and getting the Mindy Netovich, a player they have high hopes for for the future. So Bob Myers will join us. He'll answer some of your questions that you have sent me on Twitter at WarriorsVox. We'll answer more of your questions on Twitter there and also get into this incredible shooting contest that the Warriors had on the road trip after the shootaround in Indiana. It involved the Warriors guard Steph Curry and the head coach, Mark Jackson. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News sat down with me before uh, last night's contest in Boston. We'll talk about LeBron James setting a career high, whom he thinks is going to be Rookie of the Year. And I will also pose the question, do any of the teams in the Western Conference that will have home court in the first round, are any of them a lock to get out of the first round? I think it's a valid question. I think it points toward a very, very, very competitive Western Conference playoffs. Hi, Tim Roy. It is the Weekly Roundtable. We'll come back with the Warriors General Manager, Bob Myers, in just a moment. But a quick reminder, Warrior fans, to renew your season tickets tonight and be automatically entered for a chance to compete in the on-court shootout during select Warrior home games. It's a chance to win up to $27,500 in cash. Call 888-GSW-HOOP and press 1 to renew your season tickets by March 17th and save. No purchase is necessary to enter or win. Later on the show, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, but next, Bob Myers, Warriors General Manager, as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three-on-two, finds Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. 
We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hey, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Don't forget Warriors and Hawks tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with a pregame show. I, Tim Roy, I'll be joined by Tom Tobert tomorrow night as uh, the Warriors are back off the road. And what a great road trip. And multiple road trips with four more wins this year. Warriors go 4-2. and two. I, Tim Roy, it's my pleasure to welcome Warriors General Manager Bob Myers. And, uh, Bob, it, it's, it's funny how teams uh, come together. Uh, right now, and 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 uh, to see them sort of lift themselves and from situations. So the Warriors go to Chicago, don't play well. Go to New York, win that game easily. Have a little trouble in Toronto in the fourth quarter. It, it, it cost them the game, but then they rally back for this back-to-back to end the trip and a huge win over Indiana. And I was very impressed last night with the way the club took care of business. They never gave Boston a chance to think that they were going to win that game. Yeah, it's always those are the toughest ones, Tim. And I think um, on every road trip, you've got reasons to win and reasons to lose, excuses built in. But the the last game of a trip and back to back and a game you should win. And uh, but but that doesn't mean anything. You still have to go out and play. And we've been on the wrong end of that a couple times this year. So it was, it was great to see the guys go out and actually set the tone early and uh, not not give the Celtics any life and close the trip out uh, in a positive way. Bob, as you, as you look at the club and the way it's played uh, so far, Mark Jackson and I have talked about this on the coaches' show a number of times about how, you know, he said the other night, if, if we play uh, well, we can beat anybody. If we don't play well, we can lose to anybody. Uh, you know, tell t- tell me a little bit of what, what you see. You know, was it was it the fact that this club never had its its total rotation together? Were there, were there some hiccups along the way? Yeah, I mean, there's always hiccups through the course of a season, Tim, and I think we had our our share and hopefully we're we're looking in the rearview mirror on those uh situations but it's uh it's difficult sometimes to have everything go exactly like you'd like and part of part of being a good team and trying to become a great team is being consistent so uh some of the teams in the league that are trying to find their way and in some ways I'd put us in that category sometimes go out and play great one night not so great the next night and you can't really put your finger on it we're trying to become consistent and play the good teams well and give yourself a chance to win. And then in games where you should win, where you have superior talent or you're on your home court, you have to find a way to take care of business. But obviously over 82 games, you're going to have slip-ups, and you hope you minimize those and I think get those out of the way early, and, and hopefully we have. I asked the, the fans on Twitter to send me some questions for you. Are you ready for those? I'm always ready for those. <laughs> All right, let's go to, to uh, Robert EAP wants to know, any plans for the final roster spot? Is it still possible to sign a player without going over the tax threshold? Well, that's a good question. We can, um, but we have to be cognizant of a lot of different things. There's factors in play that would make you look to sign another guy depending on the health of your own roster. There's some bonus variables that could push us into the tax should they occur. So you never really quite know where you stand with the tax, but uh, we'll be we'll be prudent about what's uh, left for us to do and uh, and and who is the best fit for us to sign. But if if we can stay healthy, I think we've got a pretty good roster to stay competitive, and we have depth at most positions. There's been a lot of articles written about the luxury tax this year, and then there was one recently that spurred a whole bunch of questions on my timeline. So I'm going to summarize those and maybe just give people an idea of the kinds of things that affect uh, going into a a tax, the luxury tax, and and how complicated is that? Wow. Well, it's very complicated because you just don't know oftentimes – especially uh, as you move forward and via trades and changing your roster and trying to win games and balance 
being a winning team with being a, being a team that's responsible financially. So also it, having bonuses and contracts, you can't really rely on them maybe occurring or not or if they're likely or unlikely. So it's a constant juggle, and you just have to make the best decisions you can and hope that you're smart about it. And, and uh, you know, if for some reason you fall into it, uh, you make it in a very minor way and you move on and, and try to avoid being a repeater. Or if you go into it in a major way, you're doing it for all the right reasons and you're getting a heck of a player. So you just try to be responsible with it, but it's a, it's a very fluid process and you're trying your best to constantly uh, find ways to uh, be responsible while trying to win and be competitive as well. You know, it's interesting, Bobby, you, as you were talking about that, I was, I was struck by the comments that uh, Joe Lacob and Peter Guber have made since they bought the team. And, and, you know, I've been here a long time and I've seen different sides of, of that equation. But it, it's um, the, the thing I love about what, especially when Joe is talking about the basketball side, he says, hey, if we have the chance to do something, we're gonna, we are not afraid to go in. That has to give you a, a, you know, a little more assurance and a certain amount of leeway uh, to explore you know, the types of, of deals that you can make. Sure. I mean, I think the best thing about working for this ownership group is the fact that winning is first on the, on the list of priorities and things to get done. It's winning. And that's a blessing for anybody that works for the organization to know that that's the number one priority and that everything else falls behind that. It doesn't mean we're going to be fiscally irresponsible, but uh, to know that the directive and mandate from ownership is first and foremost winning, and that's a great thing. That's all you can ask for, to have the support of the organization in all ways. uh, To go out and try and do that as a general manager is extremely uh, important to put a winning product out on the floor. So it's fantastic. And I can tell you, not all organizations operate that way. There's a lot of organizations that operate by looking just at the bottom line. But the directive, and it's very clear, is if, if it means winning, we'll do it as long as it's a responsible thing to do. Let's move on to another question from Twitter. Uh, Matt Piucci wants to know, and I get this question a lot, so I'll ask you, uh, when is Festus Azili going to play? It's a good question. I think it just depends on how his rehab goes. I think uh, at this point, his knee is, we believe, healed in a lot of ways structurally, but it all depends on how he responds to increased uh, ramping up the the rehab and getting out on the court and jumping and running and cutting, and that'll determine basically uh, when he comes back. But we're not going to rush him. We think Jermaine's playing well, obviously, and no Bogut question. being healthy. So it's a process, and I know everybody wants definitive timelines, but I think the reality in today's sports world is there aren't definitive timelines when you come back from a procedure. You just don't know. You, could, you try your best, and sometimes doctors are right, sometimes doctors are wrong, sometimes trainers put timelines, sometimes players put timelines on things. It's like somebody asking you when you have the cold or flu, when are you going to be better? Well, most people get better in three or four days. It took right. me a week. It took me one day. You just don't know uh, when you're playing a professional sport and playing at the level that these guys compete at and are asked to perform at that high level, it, uh, it's imperative that when you do return from an injury, you're ready to go. Because if you're not, you're going to get exposed on the court and probably cost your team uh, the chance to win games. And then also you're putting yourself at risk uh, by, by going out there if you're not 100% healthy. So it's a, it's a really difficult thing to do to determine when the right time for a player to come back is. Yeah, no question. Everybody has a different timeline in terms of rehabbing an injury. Uh, someone sprains an ankle and the, the exact same sprain happens to a different different person. It, it may take that person four or five days longer to to recover. Let's move on to, to Hendricks, who wants to know, and this is a very good question, I, th- I think. Uh, he wants to know, what qualities do you look for in basketball players? That's a good question. I think the qualities that we look for, obviously, is 
is uh, manyfold, but one being are you talented enough to compete and play at the NBA? We also like size at positions, uh, having, a, if having a couple extra inches or a wingspan or bulk at your position is obviously helpful. We believe in size, uh, competitiveness, a spirit of competitiveness, because when you get to the NBA, Tim, uh, it's a guaranteed contracts, and you can sign a long-term deal, and whether your team wins or loses every game from there on out, you're going to be paid the same amount for the most part, unless there's some bonuses. So most of the incentive that players have is already been decided as an NBA player, unless you're going to a free agent season. But many, many players in the league, many of the best players or veteran players are on long-term deals where they're making money regardless of uh, the performance of their team. So we want people that just love to compete. Night in, night out, 82 games, you just got back from the road with our team. It can be brutal sometimes. You don't feel like going out. As much as you love basketball, you don't feel like going out there sometimes as a player. But if you're competitive and that ball goes up, there's something inside you that says, I'm going to compete as best I can to win this game. So you look for people that embody that kind of competitive spirit. It's hard to quantify. It's hard to find. But uh, we want people that hate to lose. And that we think, if you have enough of those guys, it can help you as an organization develop the right culture of winning. And we think that's very important. And you, you acquired a guy who's a real competitor in the, in Steve Blake. How did that uh, trade evolve? Because it's, I think it's, it was a great acquisition and, and certainly one that you know, we're already starting to see the dividends now with the play of the Warriors off the bench. Well, look, Steve Blake's a guy that we – looked at and talked about as a potential trade target many months ago, but it just didn't have the right time, and he actually suffered an injury. But uh, he's a player that's respected throughout the league. I remember watching him. I represented Brandon Roy in Portland and watched a lot of their games when he was playing alongside him. And he's a great player that can run the team and also play off the ball. And we felt like that was kind of the dual attributes we were looking for. And also uh, being competitive and experienced in the playoffs was, was a huge factor as well. And he's been fantastic for us, but uh, it, it was one of those things where it lined up where the Lakers were looking for some, some different maybe young players, and, and losing Kent Bazemore and Brooks was difficult Anytime you make a trade, especially with Kent, who'd been here and done such a nice job for us and done everything we asked him to do. It's not easy to make any deal, but for what we were trying to do, we felt like the Blake deal was worth it, and uh, ultimately pulling the trigger was, was something that made sense for us. Bob Byers, Warriors General Manager, is my guest, and you have sent me questions for him to answer, including uh, Frisco Giant 49. And, of course, before I ask his uh, particular question, I remember last year on draft night, what a, a, a crazy uh, half hour you guys had there uh, toward the end of the first round. And he wants to know, is there any chance the Warriors will uh, buy a draft pick like they did last year? And uh, I'll add the caveat and put you through that again. Oh, my God. Well, you know, it's <laughs> exhilarating to go through something like that, but it can leave you, your head spinning because it happens so quickly. But uh, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you don't know what's going to come your way. You just got to be prepared for it. We've we've got an aggressive ownership group in front office that's constantly pushing the envelope, so anything can happen. But um, I don't know. I guess the odds on it are low because it's hard to do. It was hard to do once. It's probably even harder to do twice. Uh, but But if it happens and there's an opportunity to get in the draft and it makes sense, we'll certainly do it. It's hard to predict any of this uh, any of this stuff as far as any level of certainty. You were at the uh, the Sloan Conference, correct? Yes. How was that? It was uh, it was good. It was good. I mean, there was a lot of uh, a lot of interesting insights there as far as how analytics are becoming a part of the game, how to evaluate uh, your own personnel, opposing personnel. It's uh, it's something that I think is going to become more a part of the NBA game as we move forward. 
And uh, it's, I think it's something that every team should, should find a way to be a part of. It's uh, ultimately something that can help you win, even if it's a 2% increase in chances of winning or 5 or 10, whatever it may be. It's a, it's a very good, um, it's a good tool that I think people are slowly starting to embrace, even coaches. I think the next frontier of analytics is not gathering information, which I think is, is somewhat reached a point where you have enough information. Now it's going to be how do you apply the information in the most effective way. So it's very exciting stuff, and I think it's, uh, it's only going to become more and more part of every sport, not just the NBA. You know, Bobby, you talk about that, and uh, there are certain analytics that I kind of look up now and I kind of believe in. What are the ones that you uh, or have really struck a chord for you? Yeah, I think what's interesting is the medical side of things, and it's not, it's, I don't know how you'd call it, you know, if you'd say it's analytics or not, but the ability to establish a baseline for risk of injury and how to prevent injury and what the likelihood of injury is and a player you might draft or a player you might sign as a free agent. I think that's a very exciting thing. I think what people are starting to do now amongst most teams is really measure what the load is for your players on your roster, who's kind of in the red, who's in the green, because if I ask two people to go run a mile or play basketball and I'm measuring how difficult it is on their bodies, they're going to come up pretty different, and they may look the same even, uh, maybe in the same shape, maybe have the same body fat, maybe the same body structure. But if I ask him to go out there and do the same thing, I guarantee you there's going to be a differential in how hard it was for one to do as opposed to the other. So if you're able to measure that, you'll know the level of fatigue of your roster, who's able to tolerate more minutes, who needs less minutes, who needs more recovery. So I think on the baseline level of, of performance, really, and the medical side of things, it's got a great, uh, a great future. And, um, and, and also in many, many other ways. Uh, it's, it's infinite, the possibilities of how you want to approach analytics but it's exciting, and uh, we're looking at all, all aspects of it. Would you take that, say, in terms of scouting college players? And say, case in point, I, th- I believe one of your former clients, Brandon Roy. So you're scouting a guy like that, and you apply some analytics to see how he does, say, when he's playing, uh, you know, say, two games in three days as opposed to one game a week and things like that? Well, the difficult thing, and that's a good question, is how do you utilize analytics on the performance side or information in regards to drafting, that's a hard thing to do because you don't have access to information in regards to how a player is performing on his college team, short of an eye test, because there's just not that technology being employed by the NCAA like there is in the NBA. So, and if you if you did if they did have it, it's probably proprietary where you couldn't get your hands on it anyway. So, in any event, um, as a college player, what you can do is potentially uh, at the NBA Combine or whatever that is add that component to it and just to see how a player responds to different levels of testing and and increasing things. Currently, they do something of that capacity with a treadmill test, but that's more specific to your cardio health and not necessarily the workload and how your body responds to it in certain parts of your body and stress in certain areas of your body. So it's it's ultimately... um, it's it's kind of uncharted territory, Tim, but it's it's mm-hmm. an important thing. Right now, the way it works is orthopedics give their opinion and kind of gather up, and they're collaborative and make determinations on players. But medicine is very gray, and the more you can make it black and white, the better it will serve front offices in making decisions. Uh, that, of course, Bob Myers, Warriors General Manager. Just a couple more questions, uh, Bob, and, and, and one is we're getting into March now. Uh, how do you assign... I mean, do you have to scout everybody because there's always that potential that you may be able to get back in the draft? 
Yeah, always. Yeah, you, you definitely have to scout everybody, whether it's first, second round. You're certainly looking at what's out there and what's available, and you just need to know what um, what your options are. Because if something presents itself, you can't look at each other blankly and say, "Well, I haven't seen that player. Have you seen that player?" So you have to be prepared for all the variables, which sometimes. The work is something that you look back on and say you didn't have to do, but you just don't know when the draft comes around what player you'll have seen and, and if that player, the opportunity to draft that player will, will come to pass. So it's it's something that you have to do. You have to do your due diligence and do your homework and know all the players in the draft. So if something comes up, you're ready to either do it or not do it. I get this question all the time from fans. This is the last question I'm going to ask you, and, and I get this all the time from fans when they stop me or they uh, tweet me, email me, whatever the case may be. You know, how would I define a successful season this year for the Warriors? So I guess I'll ask you, how would you define that? I don't know. I think what, what does John Wooden have that quote, quote that says, uh, now, what, it says something to the effect of, uh, it's not what you achieved, but what you should have achieved with your potential, something to that regard. So right. I don't know. I think it's a work in progress. We, don't, we haven't had this roster together for even a full season. I think continuity is important. But it's, it's, it's really how we finish, and we've had a couple of good spurts during the season. I think if we leave it all out there and play to our best ability, then you tolerate any result. We've had some ups and downs, but uh, overall, uh, we've been progressing since the All-Star break. We've been healthy. Guys are learning how to play together. The bench, I think, has been a little bit solidified. So it'll be interesting to see. It's a very tough Western Conference. I don't think you can make a definitive statement about if you do this or you do that in the playoffs, uh, then you've had a successful season or not. Uh, it, I don't think it works that way. Or at least we don't look at it that way. You look at your roster, you see how you played, and there can be brutal series. I mean, San Antonio last year in the playoffs could argue, man, they should have won a championship, but you didn't. So is that disappointing? Well, they were right there. So it's right. it's very difficult to – I don't like to. I know a lot of people like to put uh, a goal up there and say, if we don't do this, I'm disappointed. I think it's more about the effort and the process and how we finish up. And uh, you can come into some very – very good, difficult competition in the West, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. That's why you play. It's exciting, and it's very competitive. And later on in the show, we'll talk to Sean Devaney. I'm going to ask him the question about, does he think that there's any lock in the top half of the Western bracket? I think you'll be uh, interested for his answer, as well as everyone else listening here at the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Bob Myers, as always, a great pleasure on our part to uh, have you answer some questions from us and the fans, and uh, thank you so much. All right, Tim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's Warriors General Manager Bob Myers. I'm Tim Roy, and we'll come back. We'll find out more about what the Warriors are doing off the floor. I'll answer some of your tweets on Warriors Vox and then Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. Another fun-filled, information-filled hour here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and we are so happy that you have taken a seat around the roundtable to join us as we talk Warriors and NBA basketball on KMBR 680, the sports leader. <laughs> Oh. It over Duncan. <laughs> Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. i Tim Roy. We'd like to keep you updated as to what the Warriors are doing off the floor to help the Bay Area. And this week, it was in conjunction with the NBA and Special Olympics Spread the Word to End the Word campaign. The Warriors hosted a basketball clinic at their practice facility for 50 athletes from Special Olympics of Northern California. Everybody is a star and support for families. 
The Warriors, in conjunction with their basketball camp staff, taught basketball drills and fundamentals to the athletes, including the distribution of Warriors jerseys. The athletes participated in a variety of basketball fundamental drills, which not only is fun, but gave them a sense of teamwork. There was also a listening drill, which there were prizes handed out to the five best listeners in the camp. All in all, just another effort for the Golden State Warriors with a spread the word to end the word basketball clinic, helping make the Bay Area an even better place to live. I, th I think it's terrific that the Warriors are supporting Special Olympics. It's an organization to teach life skill to these kids. You know, sports is the vehicle that they use, but it gives them a lot of confidence and it really helps them to uh, overcome the obstacles that they meet in life every day. And they have friends and people that accept them for who they are. And, you know, it gives them that drive that, hey, I can do anything I want to. You know, this is a great opportunity for the Warriors. You can't walk into this gym today and take a look at these kids and not just get a smile on your face. I mean, it really is important what's taking place here. You know, one of the messages we want to send out is really the importance of the words that people use and the impact that they have, sometimes way beyond the meaning that they really expect them to have. And if we can create an awareness for that and give these kids an opportunity to be part of the Warriors organization for a day and celebrate their families, uh, you know, I think we've really done something that we'll be proud of. Golden State Warriors basketball. Splash another one. Steph Curry from distance, his seventh three-pointer of the game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Bucks. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter at WarriorsVox, that's WarriorsVox, or you can send me an email at uh, Timroy at Warriors.com, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at uh, Warriors.com. And tonight we've got a lot of questions for you, but many of them are directed toward our first guest, Bob Myers, but we do have a couple of uh, questions. Aaron Huey wants to know, thoughts on starting Barnes and having Iguodala uh, lead the bench? Well... You know, I, I would say that I understand where you're going with this, which is trying to get the the, uh, the bench more of a jump start. But if you look at the bench play in the last week and a half, and look at the bench play since the acquisition of Steve Blake, it's getting better and better and better, and it's starting to become a strength as opposed to a weakness. Never going to be an outstanding, you know, dominating bench, but I think it's going to be a good bench, and I think they're going to have some fun with it. But on the other side, the flip side of that, Go back to the first quarter last night in Boston and the dominating performance by the starting five. I don't think you want to break that up. I think there are nights where that starting five sets the tone so early in the game for Golden State that they have winning the game. And I think it's one of the best starting fives the Warriors have ever had. And it's one of the best starting fives in the NBA. Certainly has to be one in the top two or three uh, in the league. And I don't think... You want to break that up. We move on, and uh, Lori G. wants to know about the uh, shooting contest. Uh, she has seen the video, and is it true? It is true. Yes, Mark Jackson and, of course, guard Steph Curry holding a shooting contest after shoot-around at Indiana, and the head coach held true. Now, in a pregame interview later that night, I asked the head coach about it, and here's a part of our conversation. And I know as a preacher... You're not going to use the term the hell has frozen over. But I hear that the, the head coach won a shooting contest with maybe the best shooter on the planet today. The unbelievable thing to me is that he's still the best shooter uh, 
on the planet, in my opinion. But it's not news. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it at that. I'm retiring on top. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. JCD Super wants to know about the Warriors. Are they starting to play better basketball? It looks like that, but he wasn't sure after the Toronto game. And uh, JCD, I have to tell you, I think they're coming together. I think the Toronto game was more of a breakdown over a series of about six minutes in the fourth quarter against the Raptors. And Golden State just didn't recover. They never got back to calling themselves down and playing good basketball. However, similar situation on the road at Indiana. They go through a similar type stretch. What do they do? They kind of calm it down a little bit, get into their offense, get a big bucket from David Lee, and then the huge shot by Klay Thompson to win the game. I think they found out a little bit more about themselves in that game. I think they found out that with teams paying so much attention, to Steph Curry in the fourth quarter, to making sure that he doesn't beat them. I think we're going to see more and more of Andre Iguodala and Steve Blake handling the ball in, in tight situations in the fourth quarter just to give teams a different look and just to take a little more pressure off of Steph Curry. Because let's face it, if you're the other team, you're going to try to double-team him, try to force a turnover, try to get the ball out of his hands. You're going to try to not let Steph Curry beat you. I think the Warriors can make him into a, a huge weapon off the ball in the fourth quarter, as they did uh, last year at times with Jared Jack. But Clay Thompson talked about the ball club right now, how they're playing. He is very excited about the final 20 games of the season. We just knew if we didn't win tonight, it wouldn't validate last night's win. So tonight was a must win, especially uh, after beating a good Indiana team. And coming in here and getting a win was huge. We ended on the road trip going 4-2 and two with some momentum going back to Oracle. And uh, now it's down to 20 games left in the regular season, and every game matters more than anything. As always, we thank you for your participation on our Twitter fan reaction program. You can also send me an email at the Warriors website. Coming up, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. But a reminder, the Kia invites you to meet Warriors forward Harrison Barnes this Saturday, March 8th at Concord Kia. Harrison will be signing autographs at Concord Kia from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. For more information, including directions, go to warriors.com slash meet Harrison. When we come back, some league issues to be discussed with Sean Devaney of the Sporting news on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Don't forget, tomorrow night, Warriors and the Atlanta Hawks are only Bay Area appearance starts at 7 o'clock with a pregame show. Tom Tolbert will be back with me uh, tomorrow night. I kept inviting him to join me on the Windchill Road Trip, and he declined the offer. So Tom will be back with us tomorrow night at uh, 7 o'clock. But Sean Devaney and I sat down before the game in Boston last night, and we started the conversation with LeBron James. You can't ignore what he's doing right now. Sean, the first question I have for you is that how much of an impact did all the discussion about Kevin Durant MVP and Durant talking about LeBron. How much of an impact do you think has that had on LeBron's recent state of play? I, I would say that it had to have some impact. Um, but when you look at the Heat in general and, and LeBron specifically, I think that they sort of approached the first part of the season as, uh, well, you know, look, we've been to the finals three years in a row. we got to save ourselves. We'll pour it on at the end. So I think it sort of coincided where, you know, both you had both 
LeBron uh, reacting to the way Kevin Durant played and the way that Kevin Durant sort of laid down the gauntlet in the first half. Uh, but I also think that just as a practical matter, uh, it would have been impossible for for, for uh, LeBron and the Heat to come out and play that way right from the get-go. Just if they want to go back to the finals, they've got to hold it back a little bit in the early season. And talking to some of the folks who cover Indiana on this road trip, uh, they feel they're a better team, they're a deeper team, but they don't have that guy. You think that's going to be the difference? Yeah, I mean, that proved to be the difference last year. Um, you know, I, I do wonder how much... Uh, Evan Turner is going to help them and and whether they can get a group effort going as far as being that guy uh, and you know they they really do look a lot different now uh, when you have guys like Paul George but then you've got Turner Lance Stevenson and George Hill who can also handle the ball that was one of their big problems last year is that especially down the stretch uh, you know they couldn't they didn't have anybody who could really handle the ball and that that really cost them in terms of turnovers if you look at that series against Miami uh, really what cost them in the end they had 21 turnovers in that game seven and uh, and and that really cost them uh, so I think having extra ball handles I think that's going to help but yeah you know not not having that guy that real go-to guy whether Paul George can be that guy that's going to be the real question that the playoffs will answer a lot of people are going to look at uh, Terry Stotts in Portland Jeff Hornacek in Phoenix for coach of the year uh, I think we should also give a nod in the direction of Dwayne Casey in Toronto they made that huge trade he has that team playing hard and they're averaging six more assists per game since that trade that's astounding yeah and and you know Dwayne Casey you have to feel happy for him because since he got uh, th- that Toronto job he has not been able to coach the way he's wanted to coach uh, he had a he, uh, under Brian Colangelo first Colangelo came in and basically said hey we want to be up tempo uh, and 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 Casey's a defensive guy and so he tried to do the tried to do things the Colangelo way and it just didn't work so then he finally comes in and, and they and they have Rudy Gay uh, and again you know Rudy Gay is 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 sort of a ball stopper and 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 the ball kept sticking and, and he was over over dribbling and things like that so again you know Dwayne Casey really wasn't able to coach the way he wanted to coach uh, and you know talking to him when he was here just a couple weeks ago he was saying that's the big difference is that this is finally the kind of team that that, that he can really get behind they're not going to compete in the in the Eastern Conference they're not going to be a legitimate contender but but they are at least a team that that has a chance to uh, you know make a little bit of playoff run and that's that's nice to see we always talk about teams that are pretty good and i'm chatting with sean devney of the sporting news let's talk about philadelphia what do you think of their master plan well you know i mean i i'm one of the few that will defend it and say that look this is what you have to one of the worst things you can do in the nba and and you know the warriors went through this uh is be 42 and 40 because you get stuck in that rut and 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 you know you're picking 14th or 13th you're not going to get that real star player unless you're indiana you get lucky you get paul george you get roy hibbert you're not going to get that real star player so it behooves you to, to be bad yeah. and and that's just the way the system is set up if they really want to change the system then that's one thing but as long as the system is the way it is a team like philadelphia is doing the right thing and they're not the only ones look at milwaukee you can look here in boston they're doing they're doing pretty much the same thing maybe not to the same extent as what philadelphia has done uh but but certainly there this is not the first team uh that has that has set itself up to lose it's just the most dramatic what do you think of the uh, wheel idea in the draft something that new commissioner adam silver has said that he may talk about yeah i mean like i say if you, if you want to change the system i have no problem with the system being the way it is you know i mean you have to make these decisions as a general manager you have to run the risk of alienating your fan base you know things like that uh but you know i mean that's what it's what you've got to do uh i have no problem with it you know it, what you have to do still is make the right choices 
uh, once you get these draft picks. And, and you have to make the right choices as, all right, if we're going to be bad, are we going to get the right guys? I mean, I remember uh, when, the, when the Bulls, after, after Michael Jordan retired, they got you know, those, those two high draft picks. They wound up taking Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. They were the wrong guys, right. you know. So, so it, it, it's easy to uh, to get those picks. It's a little more difficult uh, to make the right picks. And I think that as long as you have that, uh, that then you still have uh, sort of a reason to to keep the competitive balance high. We don't need a four point shot, do we? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it, it would be interesting. It would be fun. Uh, you know, obviously the way guys make three pointers now, you can make a justification for it. You know, I'm watching Stephen Curry shoot right now. That's a guy who would probably do pretty well uh, with, with four pointers. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you really need. Uh, uh, it, it feels a little gimmicky to me. I don't know. I mean, the three point line was gimmicky when that came in, but uh, I, I don't think we really need it. How about as far as the Golden State Warriors? I know that you get a chance to watch the Warriors late at night sometimes, but the addition of Steve Blake, they're getting healthier. You know, I, I think the Warriors, again, may sneak up on some people. Yeah, and, and, and they have a very favorable schedule down the stretch, of course. The month of March is going to be very good to them. Uh, you know, what they need to do is not have that lull like they did last time. They had the big road trip. They come back 6-1, and one, and then they lose to, you know, Charlotte and Minnesota, Washington, teams like that. They've got to recognize that, you know, they've got to be a team that, that is more aggressive, that has more of a killer instinct, and doesn't get beaten by, by teams that are below them. That's, that's going to be the real key, uh, especially when they go home. I mean, that's going to be something that, uh, obviously, they struggled with before. They can't afford to struggle with that again. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. Just a couple more questions for you, Sean. Is there a team in the top half of the Western bracket that you think is, I won't say unbeatable, but a team that's going to be very difficult to beat in the first round? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be pretty much a wide-open show. You know, I mean, I, when you look at the teams that are, that are you know, 6, 7, 8 right now, uh, you'd have to put them up against, you know, with the Clippers, the, even the Thunder haven't been uh, that impressive. Uh, you know, the Spurs, you always worry about them experience-wise. But, um, you know, out of all those teams, I, I don't think any of them are unbeatable. I would say the Spurs probably would be the one that would concern me most just because they've been through it before. They know how to handle things like that. But but uh, everybody else, I think, is eminently beatable. Yes, because the Spurs, they're not going to panic if they lose game one. They're not going to get down if they're down 20. They're going to find a way. Yeah, they always do. We've seen that from them time and time again. And the Thunder, I think, are on the cusp of that. They haven't won anything yet, but but they're probably they would be next in line. Uh, but other than those, really, other than San Antonio, I, I don't think there's anybody I'd be that scared of. Uh, you know, as far as being one of the lower seeds. We've talked about uh, maybe Coach of the Year possibilities, MVP, Rookie of the Year. You know, I, it's it's I early. Would go it's with, early. Yeah, I mean, I would go with Michael Carter Williams. It is difficult with the way that team has played to give to give anybody an award uh, on that team. Uh, uh, you know, Victor Oladipo is, is certainly on the list. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that Michael Carter-Williams, as far as being the guy who's played the best, uh, despite what his team is doing right now, um, you know, I do think that it would have to be Michael Carter-Williams. What are your, uh, tr- what's your travel schedule like now heading down the last couple of months? You know, I've got some uh, some trips to New York. I'm trying to work a trip to California. Hopefully uh, uh, my bosses uh, uh, will, uh, will give me the green light on that one. <laughs> and any particular storylines you're going to keep an eye on? Well, you know, there's one that I, I know nobody really wants to talk about, but uh, I'm going to be talking about, and that is uh, uh, the potential for a lockout. I, it's right there. you got to look out for it. you got to be careful of it. It's uh, uh, We're seeing the union is in disarray right now, uh, and I think uh, the, the, the league uh, getting ready to do a new TV deal. You start adding up the pieces, and, and it all is pointing to, in a couple of years, we could be looking at another lockout. 
That is uh, Sean, Mr. Buzzkill Devaney, <laughs> joining us here from the Sporting News uh, on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Sean, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. That's Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, always generous with his time. He is a friend of Warriors Radio. Don't forget Warriors and Hawks tomorrow night at 7, and the Warriors and Insurance are offering you the chance to win your very own custom Warriors motorcycle. Sign up for your chance to participate in the Insurance On-Court Tournament Challenge. It's a chance to win a custom Warriors motorcycle, and I have to tell you, we've seen it up on the big screen at Oracle. It looks pretty sweet. Registration is free. Sign up tonight at warriors.com slash motorcycle. We'll look ahead to the schedule. The Hawks coming in. Then two very big home games against Western Conference opponents who are trying to chase down the Warriors from behind. That's next as the Warriors Weekly Roundtable concludes on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two. Runner, right hand flip on the rim and down. Draymond Green. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time out for the upcoming broadcast is brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. I'm Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Starts tomorrow night. The Warriors finally back at Oracle as they welcome Eastern Conference All-Star Paul Millsap and the Atlanta Hawks. Millsap inbound to Harris straight away. He drives to the left hand. He gets it knocked away. Finds Millsap. He's behind the arc on the left side. A three ball. Good! Three seconds left for tied in the hundred. Paul Millsap from three, left side, knocks it up. Wow. 7 o'clock is our pregame show. We'll reawaken Tom Tobert from his uh, Warriors hibernation to come back alongside the microphone. It's an authentic Fan Friday presented by Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. Then two very big home games coming up. First one on Sunday night, 5.30 with a pregame show as the Warriors battle Goran Dragic and the Phoenix Suns. Three on two the other way. Dragic ahead of steam. Ugly. Oh, the world behind the back dribble. Scoop and score. Magnificent play for Goron Magic. Warriors and Suns, 5.30 on Sunday. It's a Wiener Schnitzel dynamic deal. You can buy your tickets online at warriors.com. And then on the Tuesday, the Dallas Mavericks were right behind the Warriors in the standings. And that means another Oracle appearance for Monte Ellis. Bucks can't get stopped. Oh, steal by Ellis. What a play. Here's a drive and a slam dunk. Monte with 18. Cut in front of Heinrich, a lazy pass by Teague, and he had a 50-foot bust out. Warriors and Mavs, 7 o'clock with a pregame show on Tuesday night on KBR 680 and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Then a very tough back-to-back will conclude Wednesday night down in Los Angeles. It's round four of the Pacific Division Championship rivalry between the Warriors and the L.A. Clippers, and that means the ever-improving Blake Griffin. Neglects the DeAndre Jordan screen, looks to Blake on the alley-oop. Warriors and Clippers, 7 o'clock with the airtime on Wednesday, March the 12th, down in Los Angeles, the fourth and final time that those two teams will meet. And then Thursday, next week, March 13th, another weekly roundtable starting here at 8 o'clock. I, Tim Roy, that's going to wrap up the show. You can buy your tickets online at warriors.com or call one AAA GSW Hoop. Now, you hear us talk all the time about the Warriors' consecutive sellout streak. There's always just a limited amount of tickets available, so don't give up. Go to warriors.com. Thanking all 
all of our guests on tonight's show, including Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. Caught up with Sean before last night's game in Boston when the Warriors wrapped up their road trip with a record of 4-2. and two. We also want to thank Warriors General Manager Bob Myers for his time in talking about how he has assembled this roster and what he looks forward to as the Warriors head toward the postseason. I want to thank the producer, who you can never text about live events because he never watches anything in real time, and that is R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680, and don't forget Ray Woodson is ready, willing, and able to take your calls right now. 808-KMBR, that's the number, 808-KMBR. Give Ray a call, and he will talk to you about the Golden State Warriors and that matchup tomorrow night with the Atlanta Hawks. I, Tim Roy, say good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Talk to you from Oracle tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock with a pregame show on the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the wrist, and he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.